Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Wednesday, June 28th, 2023. We had a fantastic weekend in the MLB. Uh, attendance was looking great at the ballparks. Fantastic matchups, exciting series, crazy performances, all that stuff. We have hit kind of the midseason mark for a majority of teams. Um, so we're going to be kind of giving you our midseason update on MLB awards, giving you the top three. We'll hit some NFL news, some college football news to finish it. Top three, bottom three, blue things. This is Grayson while he's editing. And before you get into any of this episode, I want you guys to know that there will be no college football news, NFL news, or top three, bottom three, blue things. Um, my internet cut out right at the end of the MLB segment, so we were not able to complete it. But hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Now, back to me and Colin. Colin, are you excited? I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Yeah, we got Colin in here. Uh, Brock is on vacation in Mexico. So, um, yeah, hopefully he's enjoying himself. But we should see him back here next week. But, Colin, you ready to get into the MLB? Absolutely. Let's get it. All right. I'm going to start off here. So, a big week. Winners and losers across the league. Let's start with the losers. The biggest loser of them all, Mr. Alec Manoa. Oh, man. Good God, he just can't stop losing. Alec Manoa of the Florida Complex League Blue Jays had a horrible outing today. Facing the Florida Complex League Yankees, he pitched 2.2 innings, gave up 10 hits, 11 earned runs, 2 walks, 3 strikeouts, put his ERA at 37.13. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. not only can he can he not pitch in the MLB, he can't pitch in essentially a fake league. Dude, it's, I, I don't know what's up with him because last year he was lights out. Yeah. Look, one of the top pitchers in the league. Yeah, finalist for AL Cy Young. And this year it's just he every outing is just shit in the bed. Yeah, Even, I, I, I don't know what his problem is. Did he did he even win a game pitching in MLB? Uh, he may have so far this season, but I'm really not sure. Um, let me pull it up real quick. Well, even even that uncertainty just yeah. speaks for it, one, one in seven this season <laughs> in the majors. Good gracious! Yeah, brutal. And it's it's like you got an offense that's scoring runs for you. Oh yeah, but. When you're so, he's supposed to be their ace. He's oh. supposed to be the guy that they rely on to win games. Yeah, well, and and, he's been pitching. Sorry to cut you off. He's been pitching now. This is his third season in the MLB. He's 25 years old. In his career, he has given up 130 earned runs. This season, just this season, I believe he's given up almost a quarter of that. Uh, let's see. Overall, yeah, he's given up 41 earned runs. Yeah, so so just under a, a third of his entire earned runs for his career this season. And he didn't even make it to halfway mark. No. <laughs> nope, couldn't even make it there. He's well, already given up that many runs. 
Blue Jays are scratching their head. What what the fuck are we gonna do? Yeah, well, it, it fucks everything up because prior to him being so shit, they had a great rotation. Oh yeah, like like if you looked at this at the beginning of the season, you see a, a lot of. Guys that just have solid bodies of work behind them. Obviously, Kevin Gosman's been a fantastic pitcher the last couple of years. Jose Barrios, though he's kind of volatile, uh, and you know what he's going to do, he's still a kind of guy that can go out there and give you like seven innings and, and get like thirteen strikeouts. And then Chris Bassett, just a consistent starting pitcher. And you say Kikuchi's a guy who we've seen great things from. We've also seen some inconsistencies, but a, a solid fifth in the rotation. But Manoa, in my mind, is supposed to be the first or second guy in this rotation, and he can't even make it on the major league team. Yeah, like you said, he's struggling down in fucking the minors too. Yeah, uh, but let's get to my next loser. The Mets. The Mets are losers right now. Good God. So let's take it back to a a particular time. Since Pete Alonso asked Bryce Elder, throw it again, please, in the top of the third on June 6th, the Braves have scored 133 runs over their last 18 and a half games, while the Mets have gone from 6.5 games back to 16 games back in the NL East over the last 20 days. Yeah, I mean... Dude, well, first off, I just want to say thank you, Pete, because you lit a fire in Atlanta that I've been waiting to see this season. Oh, yeah. And But second, fuck the Mets. That's all I'm going to say. There's nothing else to be said. Um, You got swept by Pittsburgh, who was on the struggle bus there in the beginning of June. Yeah. Come come on now. The Mets, you put so much money into your team, and – you're going to come fourth. Yeah, well, and, and apparently Steve Cohen um, needs to address the fans because apparently before um, tomorrow's game, so today as you're listening, he is going to have a press conference. So oh. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what he could possibly say that's going to change this. But I, I'm I'm very interested to see what, what uh, old Uncle Steve has to say. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I'm just going to be sitting back and laughing the whole time. Yeah. But to continue with my losers, let's keep it in New York. So Aaron Judge went down on June 3rd, and since then the Yankees cannot create runs. And particularly somebody else went down with Judge, uh, that being Giancarlo Stanton. He's not injured. He just can't hit the ball. His slash line right now sits at a 109 batting average, a 197 on-base percentage, and a 182 slugging since June 3rd. That gives him a WRC plus of two. That's the worst of any qualified hitter in that span. I mean, for Stanton, your one goal is to hit the ball. Your DH. It's like Marcelo Zuna before the month of May. Exactly. Like, these numbers are like, like benching worthy. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people in the Yankees who just aren't hitting. Yeah. But exactly. uh but for Stan to stand out like that, I mean, it's something we're not used to seeing. So it's definitely an eye opener on where his career's going. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he is kind of diminishing and, and you know how much he can add to a team certainly has taken a hit. But 
he still should be hitting home runs. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. He should still be putting baseballs about 470, 460. Yeah. But right, right now he's looking like the hitter. It's like you strike out or you hit a home run, but right now he's not even hitting home runs. He's just striking out. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, my next loser, the Washington Nationals. Uh, obviously, we know they lose a lot of games, but this one, n- not as much of a loss as it is just pretty tough. The Washington Nationals have not swept any of their last 90 series. Jeez. And, and that is the longest streak of series without a sweep in MLB history, uh, beating the 89 straight series without a sweep by the Philadelphia Athletics from 1914 to 1917. The Nationals, I mean, they're the definition of the struggle bus right now. They, Yeah, they really are. It's just like they're, they're relying – they're trying to be like the Diamondbacks and just rely on such young talent that just hasn't developed yet. They – I would say that they're also pulling people up too early, in my opinion, just watching them play. Like even just like C.J. Abrams, who yeah. is supposed to be – going to be one of their one of their franchise players that he's just not ready for the MLB in my opinion yeah like if you look throughout their depth chart I don't see a single bright spot there's not a single player that I look at maybe Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore are guys that I'm excited to watch but Dom Smith is in this lineup. Luis Garcia, Jamer Carandelario, like Corey Dickerson is on this team. Victor Robles still plays baseball somehow. People still <laughs> pay him to play baseball at the highest level, which is crazy. And then like Joey Manessas is a, a pretty good player, but he hasn't been good this year. Lane Thomas might be one of the most boring players to watch in the MLB. Like I I can't stand watching this team. And it's crazy because there is a lot of great young talent on it. Yeah, I mean, first off, Lane Thomas, that's like the most boring name in the world. That's a good point. Um, but Yeah, I mean, just they have a lot of young talent. It's just not being developed correctly. Yeah. In, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that this is, uh, this is more than a we don't have the talent. I, I think that this is a, a developmental thing. You know, within their farm system, within even the major leagues, like guys still need to develop once they get to the majors. I truly do think this is an organizational issue more than the fact that they just don't have star players anymore. Yeah, and another thing, in my opinion, is that the Nationals are a team that they're throwing young talent up there without vets. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good teams still keep your vets there to develop your young talent, but for the Nationals, they're just throwing the, the young talent up there. Yeah, I agree. You know, like like I just said, like the only two players I really care to watch on this team, Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore, two great young pitchers, they're the one and two in this rotation. And then towards the end of this rotation, you have Patrick Corbin, third in a rotation. In, this, in the year 2023 is crazy. He's 33 years old. He hasn't been good in years. He shouldn't even be in your rotation, I'd say. And then you have Trevor Williams, who's 31, who's never really been good in the major leagues. 
and then a relatively young guy in Jake Irvin, um, fifth. But I, I think you're right. I think that there's just not enough veteran leadership because when you look at this entire team, your catcher's Kiebert Ruiz. He's young. Dom Smith, not not young, certainly. Not good. But, yeah, and he's not like a, a big service time vet. Really, the only true cemented veterans on this team are Jaime Candelario and Corey Dickerson. Exactly, but a lot of their young talent is on the infield. Exactly. It's it's weird. I mean, it's going to be a while till we see the Nationals be good. Oh yeah, Certainly. it's they're gonna they're gonna sit there fifth in division for at least a couple more years, unless the Mets just continue to shit the bed, which I would love to see personally. I would as well. <laughs> The day I see the Nationals jump the Mets, I'm throwing a party. It's not – that day might come soon enough. Like, they're only six games behind them. That's that's absurd. Saying that, what, the Nationals only won, like, what, 20 games? 30. 30 and 48. Mets, 36 and 43. Jeez. Absolutely brutal. Yeah, really. Uh, but let's get to my last loser. Um, it's the Padres. And – yeah, you know, they're not winning games, but where they lost is they're losing essentially $280 million. Um, so, obviously, that is Xander Bogart's $280 million contract that I speak of. And that moved Ha Young Kim out of shortstop and two second base. And so far this year, Ha Young Kim has outperformed Xander Bogart's in a majority of stats. He's got a better on-base percentage, better slugging, Better OPS plus, a better F war, better B war, better WRC plus, more defensive runs saved, and outs above average. So it's not just offense, he's playing better defense as well. Yeah, I mean, going off a little bit, when you talk about it, the whole crop of shortstops that just got paid are sucking. The best one right now is Dancy Swanson. Yeah. Like, they are not playing like they deserve the money they just got paid. Trey Turner has been absolutely shitting the bed. Yeah, he went off in the World Baseball Classic, but in this season, absolutely shit in the bed. Carlos Correa, shit in the bed. Xander Bogarts. Started off strong, shit the bed. Daisy Swanson started off okay, and it's just been continuing to get better. Yeah. Because he's he's starting to feel more comfortable with the new team, in my opinion. Oh Yeah, I agree with that. But it's every time I I just I just see articles and articles and tweets and tweets about this about how good that crop of shortstops is going to be, and it's just mind blowing on how bad they've sucked. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Uh, but before I get into my winners of the weekend, Colin, what kind of things have you been seeing around the league you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, just the rise of. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz, I mean, we could sit here and talk yeah. hours about him. Yeah. That cycle he hit against the Braves the other day? Yeah, just that whole series in general, and the Reds as a whole, insanely yeah. good. The young talent, is it's just flowing. Like Spencer Steer, Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, of course. Like, it's insane how good the Reds have been on kind of riding on the back of young talent. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, oh, this like, 
opposite of the Nationals, they had vets to train them and develop them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Joey Votto was hurt, but he's he was still there. Um I'm trying to think of I mean, you have India who's been there for a couple of years, who yeah. who helped De La Cruz settle in in the infield. Jake Fraley, who's still young but has seen a couple seasons. And then you still have Tyler Stevenson, who's just he's just been sitting in that DH spot just because he's Luke, I think his name's Luke Maley, right? Uh yeah, yeah he's starting to take over that catcher spot. Agree. Yeah, he he honestly deserves it uh, at this point. Yeah, and I mean that series we got between the Braves and the Reds was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it was like, great. Just game one, eleven to ten. Wow. Yeah, absolutely insane series, and I'll, I'll get into that one a little bit when I talk about my winners, but I also want to highlight the young pitching of the Reds. Though they are giving up quite a bit of runs, it, it's still working out. They're first in the NL Central. They're 41-38. and 38. Hunter Green, first in this rotation, 23 years old, absolute flamethrower. And then Graham Ashcraft kind of cooled off. He had a fantastic start to the season, though, and, and he's really just had a, a tough couple of weeks. But Graham Ashcraft has been fantastic. And then Andrew Abbott, who you just recently brought up, he's 3-0. and And I believe he's only started a handful of games. Yeah, he's only started four games this season. He's 3-0, and a 1.14 ERA in 23.2 innings pitched. Wow, that's impressive. So... Uh, the Reds are obviously doing something right here in the farm. Yeah, and and another thing, like it just looks like they're playing with confidence. Agreed. Something we haven't haven't seen out of Cincinnati in a long time. Yeah, I, I'm I couldn't be happier with, with what I've seen from the Reds, and, and obviously, like I'm gonna just go ahead and get into it. Let's talk these winners because I want to talk about Reds and Braves. Okay. okay. The Reds and the Braves were winners. Oh, this yeah, weekend. absolutely. Because, yes, the Braves won two two out of three. But what a fantastic series. And not even just this weekend series, the season series between these two teams. Uh, they've played all six games that they will be matched up against each other. They combined for 78 runs in those six games, and none of the games were decided by more than one run. Wow. That's that's crazy when you think about it. Yeah, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. It's exactly what MLB fans want to see. We get on Friday, absolute fantastic game, eleven to ten. The Reds take it, a, a comeback win. Correct? Yeah, yeah. The Braves uh, yeah. Braves went up five zero in, in the first inning, and the Reds were tied up at the end of the fourth. Braves come out, score two in the fifth. Cincinnati answers it in the bottom of the fifth with four. And then in the sixth, they put up two. The Braves try for a late comeback in the eighth with three home runs uh, from the top of the order. But to no avail, they lose it by one run. And then you go to Saturday. Another come-from-behind win in another fantastic game for both sides. Atlanta got the scoring started again, top of the second. They bring it back top of the third, put up two more. Cincinnati answers with two. It's a 3-2 game. They go into the fourth. Atlanta puts another three on the board, makes it six. 
And then Cincinnati answers again with two more, making it 6-4. Still a close game. No scoring till the top of the seventh. Braves put up one. And then Cincinnati capitalizes on a very inconsistent Rizal Iglesias, puts up two on the board, makes it real close in the bottom of the ninth. But Rizal does get it done, and the Braves win it 7-6. Like, an absolutely fantastic one. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I skipped it on Friday, but Ellie De La Cruz hit for the cycle. In oh. four at bats, yeah, yeah, he did. Let's see, he went. <laughs> I'm trying to get make sure I get this order correct. He did. Come on now, double homer, single, ended with the triple. Yeah, and that triple, and then, I don't even know how he hit that ball. I don't either. I mean, he hits it. I look away. I look back. He sent it on third. Like just, just like that. Yeah, because like even watching the clip, it's like, okay, you see him hit it into the outfield, and he hits it pretty hard, mm-hmm. and you see him like round first, and it looks like they're about to field the ball, and then all of a sudden they're throwing the ball to third because he's like already there. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. I mean, yeah. there was no stopping him. He was going third, even if it was a ground ball to right field. Yeah. Oh yeah. But. No, like you said, that'd be phenomenal, phenomenal series between two high-firing offenses. Yeah, it was just fantastic baseball. Uh, let's get to this next one, though. Whether you like it or not, this is fantastic baseball, even if you're a Rockies fan. On Saturday, the Angels, good <laughs> Lord, 25-1 to 1 over the Rockies. Like, what the fuck? So I'll give you the scoring breakdown just because it's absolutely absurd. So L.A. gets the scoring started in the second with two runs. Normal ball game. Two runs after two, whatever. In the third inning, they scored 13 runs off yeah, of the Rockies. It started with a back-to-back home run from Mike Trout and Brandon Jewelry. Yeah, and then a home run from Matt Tice. All three solo shots. So they go up 3-0, 4-0, 5-0, and then they get the Ducks moving. Taylor Ward, RBI single, scores a run. Otani, RBI single, scores another run. It's 7-0. Drury, RBI single, scores two, makes it 9-0. Renfro, doubles to right, scores all three, makes it a 12-0 ball game. Escobar singles to right. Renfro scores 13-0. And then Mickey Moniak, the who has had a, a quite a career resurgence, uh, even though in a, a very short career so far, he homers to right center. Two-run home run makes it 15-0. And they don't stop there. Yes, the inning ends, but they come right back in the top of the fourth, and they start moving the ducks around the pond Brandon Jury, another RBI single, scores Taylor Ward. It's 16-0. Matt Tice, RBI single. Mike Trout scores 17-0. Renfro, another RBI double. Brandon Drury scores 18-0. Mickey Moniak with another RBI hit, this time a double, scores two. It's 20-0. And then David Fletcher, of all people, hits a three-run home run to make it a 23-0 ball game. In the top of the fourth. How does David Fletcher hit a home run? It was only 363. 
it left the ballpark. It I guess did. they they were playing in Denver, so yeah, any anybody could have hit a home run. That's true. And then uh, the slowing the scoring obviously slowed down because there is a such thing as showing mercy in baseball. Uh, you would have thought it would have come at fifteen zero, but it took twenty three zero, and they still put up two more on the board. Uh, Taylor Ward grounded into a fielder's choice and scored Mickey Moniak to make it twenty four zero. And then Taylor Ward once again grounded into a fielder's choice, two third as well, and Mickey Moniak scored. It literally the exact same scenario where Taylor Ward grounds to a fielder's choice at third, Mickey Moniak scores, and David Fletcher gets out at second, scoring those two runs, once in the top of the sixth and the top of the eighth. That is crazy. Yeah, and to go back to the third inning, Trout, Drury, Tice, back to back to back. Yep. That's I mean, poor Chase Anderson, bro. The man just... Yeah, it's a tough one. 57 pitches and two and two-thirds innings, giving up 10 hits, nine earned runs, two walks, and only had one K. Yeah, but, you know, the bullpen certainly didn't help him out because he only gave up nine runs. But then you got Matt Karasiti that comes in and in point one innings of work gives up six earned runs uh, in a home run. And then... You bring in Noah Davis just to, you know, put a punching bag out there, and he certainly got punched. It looked like a, a Gervonta Davis's punching bag. <laughs> a, a nine earned runs in three innings of work. Um, just brutal. Just murder, honestly. Absolutely mm-hmm. absurd stuff. Uh, but a great start for Angels pitcher Griffin Canning. Yeah, well, he went... Six innings, only give up four hits, seven yeah. Ks. Yeah, no runs. Yeah, Fantastic. the biggest thing, the biggest thing is no walks. Yeah, no and walks in six innings is great. A familiar face coming in, closing the game, Mister Tucker Davidson. Yeah, that's I, I, I could see them using Tuck, Tuck, Tuck in that situation. Yeah, it's pretty safe. Might as well. I mean, <laughs> if you close that lead, I think he's getting DFA. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I think that's a, a pretty safe lead to come in with. Uh, but let's get to my next winner, and it's MLB ballparks. Just all season, they've been killing it. MLB attendance is up 7.8% over last year. And I think another winner is the MLB Rules Committee because I think that the new rules are a big part of getting people out to the ballparks. Yeah, I mean, people... One of the biggest issues was just the time of a game yeah. to get out there. And when people can go out there and just know that they're not going to be out there for five, six hours, um, they enjoy that. They can still have go out there for about three to four and still enjoy their day. Yeah, I think that the, the problem was not that the game was so long, but that everything about the game, like outside of it and travel – made it longer. Because if you don't live right next to the stadium, let's say your commute is probably going to take an hour because of traffic to come in. Then you got to, you know, get everything in order, get in the stadium, get to your seats. You're probably going to be there early. And then you would sit there and watch a a three and a half, four hour baseball game. And then you got to drive back home. Like this is a a six, seven hour experience sometimes. And, And people just don't often have the time for that especially not on like a weekday night yeah and it's hard with kids 
It's to get yes. them to to just sit there six to seven hours is tough. Yeah. So but also, also, I like how parks are starting to include more activities for kids to get right. them more interested. Because um, that's what this game is about right now. It's just getting the youth interested, get them excited to want to go to a baseball game. So ballparks are doing great with that. Yeah. And I think outside of what they're doing at the ballpark, just having a shorter game allows the kids to watch the full game. Because, you know, a lot of times the, the standard start is going to be a 7 to like 7.30 start for most MLB teams, depending on your time zone. And the kids can sit down and watch that and be in bed by, you know, maybe a little bit late for a young kid, but 9.30, 10 o'clock. It's reasonable. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, because games used to be, it started, you know, 7.15 or whatever. And you really weren't done until like 11. Yeah, I mean, there are times I remember when we were at the ballpark, we'd look up, it's the fifth inning, and it's already 10 o'clock. Yeah. And that's like, we were just here for two and a half hours for five innings. Yeah. Like, wow. Well, and me and you always get there at like five o'clock. So. Oh, yeah, we we were the first to get there, <laughs> last to leave. Exactly. Always. That's That's our mentality at the ballpark. First in, last out. Mainly because we didn't want to fuck with parking and That's leaving the stadium. Great point. Because, man, that's a headache. It sure is. But let's get to my next winner, the young man down in Miami, Mr. Yuri Perez. Threw a scoreless outing against the Pirates and has now pitched 21 consecutive scoreless innings. It's the longest streak by a pitcher aged 20 or younger since Kerry Wood pitched 21 scoreless innings in 1998. Yuri Perez has been outstanding. Truly, uh, I, I believe this, and we'll get to it later, but I think he's emerging as a possible guy for NL Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I mean, he's got it. He has to, because Sandy Alcantara ain't doing it. He's got to pick up the slack. Yeah, certainly. And just this Miami team in general has been great. They have surpassed Philadelphia. They've actually got four games on Philadelphia. They're, yes, they're six and a half back in the division. But 46 and 34 is fantastic. Yeah, and to go back to Yuri Perez, he's 5 and 1 with a 1.34 ERA. Did you already say that? Uh, no. But yes, yeah. you're, you're correct. He is pitching absolutely phenomenally. And for a guy whose you know, mentor is Sandy Alcantara, he seems to be doing it better. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like he, he's basically making Sandy his bitch right now. Yeah. He's like, hey, you keep sucking it up. Sit back. Watch me. Yeah. He's fucking, he's shoving. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Let's go back to uh, another relatively young pitcher, Reed Detmers of the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, A great outing from him once again. He, He seems to just put these together rather often. Seven innings pitched, only two hits, one earned run, two walks, 10 Ks, 105 pitches, 73 of those being strikes. And this makes his fourth consecutive start, allowing one earned run or less. Damn. And that joins some pretty some pretty good names to be a part of when you're talking Angels players. He joins Shohei Otani in 2022 and Nolan Ryan actually two times in his career. 
is the only Angels in franchise history with one or fewer earned runs and eight plus Ks in four consecutive pitching appearances. That's good. I really wish he could have got that win against the White Sox. Yeah, yeah. But I can't win them all, but as long as you give your team a fighting chance, that's all you can ask for. For sure. Uh, Colin, any other series that were really good this weekend? Uh, I really liked Yankees-Rangers. Yes. I, I think that was a phenomenal series. I mean, just starting it off Friday, Rangers took 4-2 in extras. Saturday, I think Yankees took it one nothing, And then Sunday, 5-3, Yankees took it. So the Yankees won the series. But just like the Reds and the Braves, is a phenomenal series to watch. Yeah, and um, over the weekend, congratulations, the Oakland Athletics, the final team to reach 20 wins. Let's go. Way to go, way to go. All right, let me fact check myself if the Royals made it. Yes, they're at 22. Okay, just had to, had to double check. Um, Let's see, any other great series? Uh, Diamondbacks Giants was a good series for sure. Yeah. Um, just the fact he, that we get to watch these two teams play each other this much is great because they're both so much fun to watch. Yeah, and their games mean so much more because in division games. Yeah. Like, it's the Giants aren't quite bad. No, not at I, all. Like they normally do. Like they're putting themselves in contention to make a run. Yeah. It, it, right now, two games back in the division, though they only have one game on the Dodgers, they're still. Very good. They, you know, obviously won today. They're coming off of that ten-game win streak. Um, just last week it ended. I'm, I'm very excited about baseball in in San Francisco right now, and I'm kind of surprised to be saying it, but there's some guys on this lineup that are fun to watch. Of course, oh, yeah. Jock Peterson, super fun to watch. Tyro Estrada has been so goddamn good. Michael Conforto actually playing pretty well. J.D. Davis. Out here, I think he's just playing some solid baseball, which is yeah. <laughs> not that normal for JD Davis. And then, sorry, uh, I was I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. Uh, but Blake Sable, uh, I believe is his name. Yeah, Blake Sable, uh, in left field, and of course the honestly just doesn't age. Brandon Crawford. Yeah, I mean he's got these. He is the fountain of youth. Yeah, he's got the leather, man. Doesn't matter if he can't hit. But yeah, no. What I was gonna say, I was like, see what happens when guys leave the Mets. They start playing baseball and having fun. Great. JD Davis and Michael Conforto, when they were with the Mets, were the Mets. Yeah. Like they were doing most of the scoring, RBIs, home runs. They're doing it even better since they left. <laughs> All right, I got just two more things to talk about before we move on. Uh, I saw this story today, and I think this is wild. I want to get your take on this. Jose Abreu, who admitted that he talks to his bats regularly, regardless of how he's faring at the plate, he thinks that he might have figured out why it hadn't been working for him this year. He said, I was talking to my bats in English, and they don't understand English. Eh, I mean, I believe it when I see it. I'm just confused. Colin, have you ever asked your bat a favor, like talk to it, had a conversation? I just tell it what to do, and Fair I just enough. take care of my bat. Yeah. Nobody else touched my bat. Good. Keeping a, a but, fresh lizard skin on there? Hey, I mean, yeah. And it depends if it was wood or metal. 
Fair enough. Not keeping putting a, lizard skin on the wood. Well, yeah, keeping a good a good smother of pine tar. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then just taking it when I went to pitch too. Love it. But no, I it's. I mean, hopefully things turn around for Jose Abreu. I mean, I can't wait to hear some Espanol on the. Uh, over the mic when we watch uh, yeah. Sunday Night Baseball. I was about to say, they got to mic him up for when he talks <laughs> to his bats. But no, like I said, I'll believe it when I see it, because, man, has he been a disappointment this year. Yeah, he really is. And I uh, I don't care if he gets hot. I'm totally fine with Astros players not playing well. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, It was so hard for me to root for the Dodgers in that series. Yeah. But I was happy they won. Yeah, I was cool with it. Um, all right. Last thing in the MLB, uh, according to Sp- – I, I always forget how to pronounce this. It's either Spotrack or Spotrack. Can't remember. Uh, Sportrack? No. <laughs> um, they do all of these, like, valuations of players and contract information, stuff like that. Their current valuations for Shohei Otani, who will be a free agent at the end of this year, consider Shohei just as a starting pitcher – they consider him as a six years, $202 million player just on the mound. Just at the plate, Shohei the hitter, nine years, $326 million deal. Jeez. Like, so let's say you kind of put this together and you average out the years. <laughs> 500 mil for seven, eight years? That's. You know, for that money, the Angels can have him. They can keep him. Can they pay him? Probably not. If they still got Trout on their team. Yeah. It's, I mean, believe it or not, there's really like two teams I can think of that can pay him. And yeah. we don't want to say it because they're both upstate. Yeah. Don't want to don't want to put those into uh, existence. <laughs> Could you imagine Shohei and pinstripes? Uh, oh, I don't want to. Luke would be happy. Yeah, I'm sure he would. But sorry, Luke, that, that shit ain't ever happened, dog. Nah, you can keep wishing though. If that happens, I'm done watching baseball. Yeah, you guys got a few contracts to get rid of, Josh Donaldson. Bringer for rain. <laughs> He's a bringer of something else this year, man. He's not doing awful. He's fucking bad, dude. Yeah, I mean. He's been bad for the past couple of years. But it just seems like this year is the culmination of his work. Yeah, it's because at the beginning of the season, everybody was hyping him up that he's back. Just because he had a decent spring training. He's batting 125. Exactly. That's awful. Thank yeah. you for accepting my point. The uh, dude's uh, a fucking shit show. Okay. And he needs to just hang it up. He probably does. 37. Yeah. Batting 125, only has six home runs and eight RBIs. And he essentially is the everyday third baseman. He's making a hell of fielding errors, too. We saw the one the other night. Whoa. And the, and the fans hate him. The fans cannot stop booing him. The second yeah, he touches the ball, steps in the pl- like steps to the plate, like, it's crazy. He's a bringer of pain, not rain. Oh, love it. I love Yo. that. The bringer of pain. Just came up with that on the spot. You like that? I love it. I love it. Uh, But on that note, let's talk MLB awards 
kind of our top three as we approach or as we've reached middle of the season. Let's start it out. NL MVP. It's what the oh, people want to hear. Okay. Acuna. Acuna. <laughs> All right, you ready? Mad number two? easy number one. Okay. Freddie Freeman. Luis Arias. Okay. Three, I had Luis Arias. Okay, Freddie Freeman, I had three. See, they, they can go either way. Yeah, honestly. It depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, if you're looking I mean, for the counting stats, you take Freddie Freeman because he gets the extra base hits and he gets the home runs and all that. If you're looking yeah, for the best, actually, just genuinely a hitter, it's Luis Arias. Yeah, I mean, he's hitting singles. He's getting on base. That's what you need to do. But Freddie Freeman is going the extra mile and winning games for the Dodgers. Agreed. I think Luis like, Arise has been a big part of the oh, Marlins' yeah. success. I think with him up there at the top of the lineup and showing his offense that this pitcher is hittable getting on base, just yeah. one hit in the first inning builds your confidence for the offense for the rest of the game. Yeah, agreed. So don't overthink just because all he's doing is batting for average. That still plays a huge part. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he's going He's going into uh, – they have a series with Boston, right? Uh, Coming up? Yes. Because uh, he's up there with Ted Williams' average. So, I, I saw an article about that. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I Quickly, I want to remind or, you know, in, inform people, the Miami Marlins are the third best team in the National League. And they're in the same division as the Braves. Yeah. The problem is they have a negative six run differential. Yeah. So it's a bit of an issue. But they're a great team, and Luis Arias has been a huge part of this team. Of course, Freddie Freeman's a huge part of L.A.'s dominance. Of course. But they're not as good as the Marlins. Yeah, I mean, who Luis Arias, I mean, what a signing for the Miami. It was a trade. Getting him oh, for Pablo yeah. Lopez yeah, that's was a, a bargain. Uh, the way Pablo Lopez has been playing this year, too. Yeah, he's really slowed down after that hot start. Yeah, he's Miami is jumping in fucking joy right now. Oh, yeah. But let's move on. AL MVP. I feel like there's a pretty easy answer at number one because you can't deny him. Yeah, Shohei. Yeah, Shohei. It's so easy. Like, you look at, okay, like we said, Shohei the hitter, Shohei the pitcher. Shohei the hitter. Leads all of baseball in OPS with a 10-10. RBIs with 62. And home runs as of, I believe, today, maybe yesterday with 26. Jeez. It's absolutely insane how good he is. That's, it's, it's, I'm speechless. Just think about, yeah, because he had a first, first inning home run today. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm yeah. looking at it right now. He's already two for two. And so he's pitching is that Is that 27? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. Jesus, man. And he's, he's, just, he's crazy. He, on the mound, he's he, he, five innings, two hits, six Ks. No runs, no walks. Yeah, and, and just so far this season, he's accumulated 5.5 B-War, which I believe uh, – so far this season, yeah, easily uh, the highest. Second in the league is Ronald Acuna with 
Hey, look, Mike Moustakis is in the lineup. We forgot to talk about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Following the Angels' absolute obliteration, uh, obliterating of the Rockies, the Angels just decided, let's just take Mike Moustakis from them. And so they <laughs> traded for Mike Moustakis from the Rockies right after the game. Mike Moustakis was probably so happy. So, oh, so yeah. Happy. Look, if you can't beat him, join him. Exactly. And look, he's batting he's batting four hole today. Look at that. Way to go, Mike. But let's continue. AL MVP. My second guy is Bo Bichette. Okay, yeah. I, I had Bo at third. Okay. Who's your second? I, I'm throwing I'm throwing Jose Ramirez up there. Dude, same. Third. He's third for me. You're lying. Jose Ramirez is just getting so overlooked. Just like every single year. And I feel like we keep telling people this. We keep telling people Jose Ramirez is fantastic. He gets looked overlooked every single year. Like, it doesn't matter. And he's right above his career numbers this season in percentages. Batting average is up. 293, his career a 280. On-base percentage just barely up at a 250, or 358. Instead of a 355 for his career, slugging's up to a 514. OPS up to an 872. His OPS plus at a 142. His career OPS plus a 130. He's having an, a, a better than his career season. And might I add, he's got 12 homers, 85 hits, 46 RBIs, and he's stolen six bases. Seven. Seven? Did he steal one tonight? Yeah. yeah. Jesus. It just gets better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's... People need to pay attention, all right? Yeah. Jose, Jose Ramirez is here, and he's a fucking dog. Like, the amount of times that he has... Okay, for some reason, he just gets intentionally walked a lot. Oh, yeah. He's leading, mean, he's leading the entire MLB this season with 11 intentional walks. Yeah, I mean, who's hitting behind him? That's the big question. I mean, if I'm a pitcher, I'd rather face the next guy than Jose Ramirez. That's a, a fair point because this team is not all that good. Exactly. I mean, when you think of power hitters, they don't have many. Yeah, like right now, like as of tonight's game, Josh Naylor was hitting behind him. Uh, he's got some sneaky pop, but he's he's mainly going to split split the the gaps for doubles. Yeah, and he's batting 291. Yeah, I mean, he's – but also, he's having fun because he's playing with his brother. That's true. That video oh, of him Taylor. celebrating his brother's hit was awesome. Yeah, dude, that's just – it's you. It's like a dream. Yeah. I believe when you're playing in the MLB with your brother on the same team, like, too bad my brothers all sucked at baseball. <laughs> Couldn't play on any teams together. Yeah, but – we kind of skipped over Bo Bichette, and I got to highlight how good he's been as well because he's absolutely killing it. Once again, just above his career numbers, just like Jose, 318 batting average this season. He's a career 300 hitter. I think people overlook that in Bo Bichette's game. But 14 home runs this season, 47 RBIs, got three stolen bases. He scored 41 runs. He's got 106 hits. believe he leads the entire league. Um, in hits, maybe not Luis Arise. He might lead just the uh, American League, but yeah, he leads the American League in hits with a 106. 
And he's led the American League in hits the last two seasons before this as well. Yeah, I mean, he's he's putting on a clinic right now. Yeah, an absolute hit machine. And he's just killing it. When you've got a batting average at 318, slugging percentage of 508, you're just going to play well, and that's exactly what he's doing. And I think that he's just kind of taken what Matt Chapman did at the start of the season and turned it into something that is a lot more you know, substantial and something that he can really hold up over the course of the season. Yeah, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, has he played in every game for the Blue Jays this year? believe so. He leads the American League in games played with 78. Um, so I got a feeling he has. Uh, I think they he might be off. They played eighty, but either way, he, he's playing and he's staying healthy. And if he keeps this up, I mean, he's gonna make that push for AL MVP. Yeah, agreed. It's gonna be hard to beat Shohei Otani, of course. It, but things can happen, man. Exactly. Just... Maybe the voters are tired of tired of voting for Shohei. I don't think so. Fair enough. But let's go to the pitchers now because there ain't no pitcher that's going to compete with these guys for MVP. NL Cy Young, who's your first guy? Zach Gallen. Same. And I think the thing that people have an issue with Zach Gallen is that he tends to give up some runs. It just it, it happens. And people still overlook the fact that he is a fucking beast. Oh, yeah. Uh, he leads the entire MLB in FIP, fielding independent pitching. He leads the National League in strikeouts per win. Or, sorry, strikeouts per walk. I'm an idiot. I can't read. Um, it, he's just so goddamn good. And people knock him for not having complete games, but it doesn't really matter if you've got complete games. Like... That's not a big deal in today's game. But when you got a whip just over one, that's fantastic. A 1.88 whip. And he's only, like, he's keeping it controlled as well. The walks, 20 walks so far this season. Only one hit by pitch. Like, the, the guy is just so dialed in. And I'm so happy to see this because I've been waiting for this guy to get the national attention. And he's finally getting that. Yeah, I know you have. You won't shut up about him. Yeah, even I'm, when we're I'm not recording, to say it. even when we're not recording, shoots me a text, bro. Did you see the performance Zach Gallon put on tonight, bro? Dude, I told you, bro. I told you. I'm just like, bro. He needs to hurry up and win it already, so you can shut the fuck up. Hey, when I predict things, I I gotta <laughs> remind the people of my prediction because I brought it up to Colin before we started recording. I it might have been you on the episode with us, or it was either me or me and you, or me and Luke. We did preseason awards predictions. I had NL MVP as Ronald Acuna, I had NL Cy Young as Zach Gallen, I had NL Rookie of the Year as Corbin Carroll, which we will get to, and I had my NL Manager of the Year as Tori Lavulo, who is the manager of the Diamondbacks, who have been absolutely phenomenal this year. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it was me. I think I was the episode after that because okay. we were talking about it. For uh, we uh, did uh, did we do divisional previews? Maybe I believe so. Not a big deal, but yeah, Zach Gallon, absolute fucking monster. Yeah, I mean, there's no competing against that. And then right. 
Who's your second guy? So I'm s- stuck between them because they're on the same team. It's oh. for my second and third. Interesting. And that's the combo of Strowman and Steele for wow. the Cubs. That's like the the clinic that they're putting on right now is just absolutely amazing. I mean, Justin Steele's eight and two record also, and Strowman, yeah, he's gotten a couple losses recently, but he's still shoving. Yeah, he's not getting your strikeouts, but like a pitcher should, he's putting your team in position to win. Yeah, Marcus Stroman's my second guy. He's killing it. He's got, you know, the most starts so far in the league. He's tied uh, for the lead, I believe, in the National League with nine wins. He's got a complete game, complete game shutout. Um, the best hits per nine in the National League with a 6.6. The guy is just absolutely killing it, and he's always going to be a little bit more of a ground ball guy. That's just how he pitches, but he's not giving up as many home runs as he typically does. He's only given up 0.4 home runs per nine as opposed to last year when he was giving up one home runs per nine. Like That's a substantial difference, and he's doing such a great job. And also getting a, a pretty good boost from his offense. Yeah, I mean, he going back to the home runs per nine, there's only one person beating him, and that's Justin Steele. Yeah. With point three for home runs point home runs per nine, which especially at Wrigley Field is phenomenal. Like that's not a big field. Yeah, uh yeah, it's it's huge. Um so obviously you have Justin Steele and Marcus Stroman. I have Strider here still. And maybe okay. I'm maybe I'm just blinded by the strikeouts. No, I can I can respect it. He ju- he gives up too many runs. Yeah, that's his thing. Like he like his last couple of, his last couple of starts has just been shaky and luckily some of the starts his offense has been able to bail him out to still give him that 9 and 2 record. But he's just he's starting to become a little inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. his his last start we saw fantastic strider. But what are we gonna see next week? It's sort of like right now we know what we're gonna get between like for Justin Steele and Strowman right now. But every time Strider, yeah, he, we're probably gonna see nine to ten Ks, but how many walks, how many hits, like it's just one of those uncertainties. And yeah, that's it's tough to pick him for that. Yeah, I, I agree. But when you're leading the entire MLB in strikeouts with 146 at this point in the season, you're yeah. just about on pace for 300. You've got the best strikeouts per nine at 14.3, and you pitched 91.2 innings in 16 starts. That is phenomenal. He's absolutely killing it, and he's also got nine wins so far this season. He's already too shy of his wins total from last season. Okay, he's easily going to pass that. Yeah, so uh, I took Spencer Strider mainly just because, yeah, he had, I, I think he just had a couple of bad weeks. And yeah, I mean, as a starting pitcher, especially early in the season, that's really going to sway the numbers. Yeah, I really hope so because I love the guy. I actually just ordered a jersey for, for him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope it turns around. I really do. So, all right, well, let's get to the AL. 
AL Cy Young. I'm just going to count us in because I think there's an obvious number one. Oh, yeah, go ahead. All right, three, two, one. Shane McClanahan. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to say it. Really? No, I mean, I know it's Shane McClanahan. Okay. Okay. I mean, he's 11 and one, dude. Yeah. He's a winner. Yeah, it's it's insane to just think about. I mean, just, and we, I know we talk about it every week, but what the Rays are doing in general, and for you to have an ace that's 11 and one, it's just still doing that. I mean, what's his ERA? Like 2 2? Uh, yeah, 2 2 3 leads the MLB right now. Like, that's holy shit, dude. Yeah. He's insane. And he, he just, is so good, like, and he's not. He doesn't even look as good as he did last year, up to this point. It, it, you know, uh, across the full season, the FIP is up at a three point six four. The WHIP is up at a one point one, as opposed to last year's point nine two six. But it seems like he's gotten away from trying to just strike everybody out. It is becoming a little bit more technical, allowing his infielders to do some work, give up some ground balls, and just play better. His ERA plus is a 181. Like That is absolutely insane, especially for a guy who's in his third season. Yeah, I mean, I know people hate the saying, but he stopped throwing and just started pitching. Agreed. Like, when you throw... Like, I'm, I'm going to take old Spencer Strider, for example. When you're just throwing hard, yep. you can get predictable on what's going to happen. Just sit fastball. But when you start pitching, like, take your Greg Maddox, then you start to become effective. Agreed. So, I mean, people hate the saying, but that's that's how it works. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. I think Shane McClanahan's made the correct adjustments, and he's not changing how he pitches completely at all. No. He, he's still going to strike you out. He's still going to go seven, eight, sometimes nine innings and just beat your ass over and over and over again. Three, four times a game, he's going to come out there and show you up. And I think that's what makes him so dominant is that he can get through the order multiple times. Yeah, because he's not just relying on one pitch. Whether if it's his changeups on that day, he's not throwing it sixty percent of the time. He's using every single pitch because he feels he has confidence in throwing him now. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, my second guy is from Valdez. Really. Yeah, the guy is sneakily having a fantastic year. The ERA at a 2.27, absolutely fantastic. Um, He's pitched 15 games. He's got a complete game shutout. He's pitched 99 innings so far. He has the best ERA plus in the American League at a 184. It, It just seems like he has dialed in what he brings to the table as a starting pitcher. Okay, I can respect that. I really can. But I, I'm going Nathan Eovaldi. Okay, he's my third. Okay, I didn't even I didn't even have Fran Valdez in my top three. Like I I I, I hate to say it, I had uh, I had Colin uh, Cole at three. I I don't hate that pick either. I was between Framber and Garrett Cole. I wanted Nathan Eovaldi here, but I wanted him in third. 
personally. Okay. So, but, so what do you have Garrett Cole at fourth now? Yeah, okay. he he would essentially be fourth. Okay, I mean it's just Garrett Cole's got the numbers, bro. Like eight and one record. I mean, yeah, his ERA is a little higher than everybody else, but it's still sub three. It's yeah, two seven. My my issue with Garrett Cole, and I think it's stupid to base a player off of wins and losses, but I gotta see more decisions. I, I get that his team is in a slump. But your team has won, what, 40, 42 games or something? Yeah. And you've only got eight wins, but you lead the league in games started with 17. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not even that, like, he's coming out of games early. Like, he's pitched 103 innings. Yeah. So... I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's just the Yankees bullpen that's absolutely blowing it for him. But it's just one of those things we can think about. But I do respect the Fran Rivaldez. But also, we can talk. I mean, Sonny Gray yeah. is really cool. He's cooled off. Yeah, he has. He's only 4-2 and two, 16 games. But still pretty good. Uh, just the Twins haven't been playing good in general. Yeah, I mean, the Braves just molly them. Yeah, another guy that could be kind of up there, Tyler Wells of Baltimore. He's got the best whip um, in the American League. Actually, in the uh, whole MLB, best whip at .888. Um, mm-hmm. He's been great. Um, let's see, who else? I mean, if... There's a few others. If, if Christian Javier can get his ERA down, I could see him climbing up there. Yeah, agreed. Joe Ryan has been pretty good. Um, the ERA is not fantastic, but yeah. certainly not bad. Um, Same thing with Kevin Gosman. Yeah, and Bryce Elder, for that matter. I'll throw him in the mix. Yeah, we're talking about AL right now. Oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at the full MLB leaders. I saw Elder, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll bring him up. Nice try, though. I, yeah. I respect that. Bryce Elder needs for more For the credit. NL. What? For the NL, Bryce yeah. Elder, as well as Michael Walker for the NL. Now they're yeah. looking at everything. I agree. But let's move on to the young boys. That sounded weird as fuck. Let's move Yo. on to the young bucks. There, there you go. National League Rookie of the Year, Corbett Carroll. <laughs> yeah, he obviously takes number one. Yeah, he's got number one right now. Even though he's in a bit of a slump, he's easily number one. I, who knows? He might have just changed that slump tonight. Yeah, uh, the the Diamondbacks are rolling right now against the Rays. Yeah, they're. It's, dude. Evan Longoria got himself a home run tonight. I know it was a a bomb. That's good for him. Yeah, good for him. he's killing it. But let's get back to the young guys. Corbin Carroll has been so fucking good, man. Like, yes, the batting average has dropped to 290. Oh, no. Like, the guy is 22 years old. He's batting 290. On-base percentage of 369 is absolutely phenomenal. Slugging 558. He's hitting bombs, too. 16 home runs for a guy like Corbin Carroll is crazy. I agree. He's he's he's, he's small. But, uh, no, just his presence on the field. Yeah. Like, don't get me started on the defense. Oh, yeah. Diving plays left and right, hosing people out at third. 
impressive. Impressive yeah. stuff for such a young player. Yeah, he is absolutely fantastic. And sorry, 5'10", 165, and you're hitting 16 home runs. Hey, kudos Woo. to him. Woo. Also, got a shout out, 154 total bases. Crazy. Yeah, that's crazy stuff for Corbin Carroll. Who's your second guy here for National League Rookie of the Year? So, it's it's still to, like, would we just say based on the stats just this year? Yeah. Like, that's, that's it. Because I really want to say of, like, someone who I think is going to be up there. But if I was just saying based on the stats right now, I'm probably just going to go the safe route with Jordan Walker. Okay. And, I mean, just he's taking over. He's, he learned a whole new position just so the Cardinals could use his bat because his bat is just so damn good. Because he came in the MLB as a third baseman. Yeah, but with the Cardinals, you know damn well you're not playing over Nolan Arenado. Yeah, of course. So they tried him out at DH. But the Cardinals just offense in general has so much potential for like explosive power. Yeah. That they had to put him out in the outfield. And he's not making errors out there. Yeah, it, the defense still isn't great. Um definitely below average. It's it's certainly pulling down his war. Um he's got a negative 0.4 B war, but the hitting has been great. Uh, you can't knock it. And the fact that they sent him down after such a fantastic, what, he started off with like a, a 12-game hit streak? More, I, yeah, maybe? I think, it, I think it was 13. Yeah. And then they sent him down just a couple of weeks in, comes back up, goes on another hit streak, and, and he's just doing well. Yeah, he's not hitting for too much power. Six home runs. He's uh, still young. Yeah, exactly. But his average is great, 302. 366 on base and an 841 OPS. He's playing great. It's just it doesn't seem like the the outfield is the place for him. Of course, it's not. He's a third baseman. But it's very hard to justify playing him in the outfield. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Who you got to? My number 2 is Yuri Perez. Obviously, okay. we already talked about him, but absolutely Phenomenal so far this season. When you look at the season stats, he's five and one, a one three four ERA in nine games started. He's pitched forty seven innings already. He's only given up thirty one hits, only given up seven earned runs. Yeah, he's given up some homers, but that comes with high velocity pitching. ERA plus of three twenty five. Holy shit, that is insane. FIP three point oh three. That's kind of right where you want to be in the WHIP. Uh, above average here at 0 0.979. So just under one walker hit per innings pitch is fantastic. Keeping the home runs down is in, is huge for him. A 0.8 home runs per nine and 10.3 strikeouts per nine. That's a great balance. I think Yuri Perez, once we just continue to see him pitch over and over again, you know, let's say he gets probably like 20, maybe... Yeah, probably like 20 starts um, this season. I I think that if he keeps this up, he has a shot at National League Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I mean, I got him at third right now. But, yeah. I mean, him, him and Jordan Walker can easily flip it within the Yuri's next start. 
Yeah. It's just one of those. Uh, but I am interested to who, who you have a three. Yeah, my number three, um, it's hard. You know, we talked about the Reds and their young talent. I can't just yet, just can't take Ellie. No, it's just too early. Yeah, and uh, I think that Matt McLean has a bid for it. But for now, I'm taking Spencer Steer just because of the whole body of work he's put together so far. He's played in 76 games already, which is phenomenal, especially for a rookie who has been playing Joey Votto's position at first. Mm -hmm. Um, Essentially pushed Joey Votto to play the DH now that Spencer Steer has come up. And he's been great. He's batting 282 a 368 on base. The slugging's a little bit low, 493, uh, but it's mainly just because he hits a lot of singles. Uh, but OPS 861 is fantastic. OPS plus 160, or sorry, 122, 126. Good Lord, that was hard to get out. <laughs> but 12 homers, two triples, 19 doubles, 46 RBIs. He's stolen eight bags. He's walked 34 times. Like the kid has been so goddamn good, uh, and then throughout this entire season has been a big part of the Reds and has boosted them in this kind of emergence of the young talent. Yeah, I believe it. It's what he's doing is just incredible stuff. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I had to take him there. But let's move on to the American League Rookie of the Year. I'm interested because this one's kind of tough. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah, because there's a bunch of bunch of young talent in the AL that's showing out right now, and it's hard to just narrow it down to three. Yeah, but who's your number one? I'm I'm going Josh Jung. Same dude. He, I I was kind of surprised. I thought for sure when I was first thinking of this that I'd have Masataki Yoshida at one, and then I looked at Josh Jung's stats, and I was just enamored. Yeah, I mean he 81 hits, 15 bombs. 53 runs and he's still he's batting over 270. Yeah, he, he's absolutely killing it. And, you know, an OPS of 804, as long as you're above 800, I'm happy with it, especially for a young guy like him. And total bases 142, that's a great spot to be in. He plays pretty damn good defense as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with what we've seen from Josh Jung. I think he's been a big part of this team that just puts up so many goddamn runs. And I'm I'm excited to see what Josh Jung can do, not just for the rest of the season, but really his entire career. Yeah, he's especially with a red-hot fucking Rangers with a good fucking farm system. Yeah. This team, he could be a leader of this team in just a couple years. Yeah, he could. And I, I think that the fact that he's kind of keeping up with all of these players on his team that are playing so well, like Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, uh, Adolis Garcia, like guys like that, and Jonah Heim, who's another great young player, the fact that he's able to keep up with these guys is a testament to how good he's been. Yeah, 100% agree. But uh, who you got it to? I want you to go first for this one. I kind of gave it away, but Masataki Yoshida. um, it's It's a pretty easy pick. Um. I do feel weird doing this when, like, he's he literally turns 30 in, like, just over a week. I think eight days. It's hard to say he's a rookie, but it's his first year in the league. He's so, he's so damn good. 
And it sucks that his team is pretty bad because he just plays so well. He's already got 80 hits this season. He's batting just below 300, at least as of what baseball reference says, at 299, on base at 372, slugging 466, OPS 839. That's so good. And I'm I'm very happy with what I've seen. The 39 RBIs is big for me, especially on a team that really isn't producing much. The fact that he's got those 39 RBIs is really big. Yeah, he's he, he's leading the Red Sox. Yeah. That's that's basically the easiest way I could say it. I mean, you're 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 saying all the numbers. He's he's here, he's showing out, and he is making his case for it. Certainly. And I think it, it, he's the easiest pick. You know, yes, Josh Jung is playing phenomenal, but looking at what Masataka Yoshida is able to do with such a weak team is crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he stepped up big when um, Duvall was out too for offense. Like, yeah, he's, he he didn't start off too too hot, but we're seeing it now. We yeah. know what he's capable of. For sure. Uh, I'm interested in who's your number three because I thought there's a significant drop off after two in the American League. Yeah, I mean, mine was a toss up between it's a pitcher and position player between Gunnar Henderson and Taj Bradley for the Rays. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't even think about Taj. I I really just wasn't a fan when I looked at the AL like rookies uh, pitching wise. I didn't think any of them differentiated themselves over a lot of these guys, uh, at least position players. So um, who'd you end up? Who who are you going with there? I'm putting Gunnar Henderson above him. Okay. I, it's close. It's just Taj hasn't had enough starts. Yeah, and Gunner's been very good. I think there's been some things to see. Like there's some things mm-hmm. that I'm still waiting on to see from Gunner Henderson. But from what I have seen, I've been very happy with it. Um, but there's a guy who, yes, he hasn't played a ton of games, mainly because he's kind of splitting his job. But I think it's Yainer, Yainer Diaz kind of playing catcher, DH. He's played a little bit of first base as well for the Astros. He's been very, very good. In just 39 games, he's got seven homers. Yeah, 16 RBIs isn't great, but 35 hits in 39 games is so good. And the the slash line's great, 276. The the on-base percentage is low, 289. You should be a little above 300. But slugging, 512, so it kind of evens itself out. Gets him above that 800 OPS just barely at 801. He has been so damn good, and I, I wish we had a bigger sample size. But from what we have, I I think he's been phenomenal, and I'm very surprised that I haven't heard his name more. Yeah, I think the only reason we're not hearing is just because of Martin Maldonado. Yeah. That's really the only reason, like... Like you said, he's only played in 39 games. So if we do get that sample size, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm I'm, very excited. But, um, yeah, I think for the American League, there is a pretty big drop-off, though, after, you know, Josh Jung and Masataka Yoshida. Yeah, there's – it's – the next person you could even, like, consider uh, – dude, it's even hard to say that, but, like, Luke, Luke Raleigh, 
maybe. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's just like he hasn't played enough. Yeah. Uh, but let's go to the manager of the year because I think this one's the most interesting. There's a lot of opportunity for us to have some differing stuff based on what you kind of constitute as earning you a manager of the year. Uh, so we'll start out in the NL, and I want to hear your first one. Oh, it's the Red, the uh, Diamondbacks. I almost said Red Sox. Yeah, Tori Lavolo. Yeah, it's you can't what deny he's it. Done, <laughs> what he's done this year so far is just absolutely incredible. Yeah, he, he's but, been crazy good with this team, and I think the fact that he's able to manage a team that has such a great balance of veteran and young talent on it in the way he's uh-huh. handled it, in the way that he has handled pitching changes. And, of course, you know, that's that comes with the whole staff. But Tori Lavulo, as a leader, seems to be doing a great job. It seems like his guys don't get discouraged. You know, they're not having any kind of attitude problems from what we can see. And when you're 47 and 32, you're the second-best team in the National League. And not, you know, not everybody was saying they were going to be great. Um, I was a fan. Heading into the season, I know a lot of like baseball analysts as well were like, okay, these guys could be the real deal, but we have to see it. Um, but at this point, if you're not bought in on the Diamondbacks, you're crazy. I 100% agree because they're some fucking dogs, bro. They are competing every fucking game. Yeah. Like As and we speak, they're beating the best team in baseball by four runs. Yeah, and the energy from the manager – is a plays a big part of that. He's so invested in his team that these guys are playing for him. Yeah. I but, I, I love what they've got going on in Arizona. Uh but Colin, let's hear your second one. I'm going snit. Okay. Respect. I Respect. mean it's fifty one twenty seven and who doesn't want to play for Snit? And just like and I'm just gonna go off a little bit on a little tangent, but just the the crew of coaches that Smith has brought is plays a big role in that too. I mean, just the Atlanta family. Yeah, man. Itself. Uh, I love every single coach on this this team. Um yeah. I, I don't we talk about the Phillies announcers. Dude, that's when, so fucking lame. When they were fucking chewing out Ron Washington. Yeah. You how losers! Are, how are you gonna cheer? How are you gonna chew out Ron Washington, bro? Like, bro, he what? literally just gave him a high five. Exactly. I mean, sorry, I guess, your sorry, your team sucks, and you don't get the opportunity to do that. I mean, they have to watch Alec Bohm make error after error after <laughs> error, but and Trey Turner just keeps striking out. It's, it's. I mean, their only bright side is Stott. And it ain't That's that bright. It. it ain't that bright. But my second guy is Skip Shoemaker, Miami Marlins. Oh, he's he's my number three, bro. Yeah, uh, nobody, and I mean nobody, saw this Marlins team being this good. Yeah, I mean, it's fucking insane. And I know I brought it up earlier, the run differential, negative six. It kind of proves that they're winning them close, but I think that's proof of Great managing. If your team's not falling in these very close situations, it means that you've got your guys in order and you've got their confidence up. And that's the biggest role a manager can play is being there for his players. And it seems like Skip Shoemaker with this team that really a lot of these guys have been around for a couple of years 
for Sk- Skip Shoemaker to step in this season in his first year in Miami and fill the role of a guy who was there for a while in Don Mattingly, he's done such a fantastic job. Yeah, but, but can we talk? So I want to talk about this stat right now. So with the managers, they play a big part in challenging. Skip Shoemaker has a 91.7 overturn rate. Yeah. He has challenged 12 calls, and 11 of them have been overturned. Wild. Like, there's nobody even close to that. I think next closest is like 69%. Crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, it is, and it's with Washington. Dave Martinez. Bum. Bum. But yeah, so Skip was my third. Okay, yeah. Okay, I really couldn't choose a third because... Yes, Snit has a case because he has the best team in the National League and the second best team in baseball. You could go David Bell. Yeah, David Bell is another guy I've here, and Gabe Kapler of the Giants. Yeah. Uh, all three of them are great picks here. I think David Bell, the best as like the we didn't expect this team to be good, and they are type deal. But it's also a matter of like you know is this you know substantial? Is what the Reds have right now really going to hold up? We really don't know because it's so much young talent. You don't know when some guys could hit a skid, you know, and if it, it happens it all at the same time, you might get fucked over because you're only, you're only up a half game on the Brewers, the Cubs three and a half games back. Yeah. They're uh, on a skid a little bit, but they're the only team with a positive run differential in that division. And I think that, yes, the Reds are doing great stuff, and David Bell is doing a great job of managing this team with so many young players that you got to tip your cap to him. But I, I feel like what Brian Snicker's doing with the Braves is a little bit more impressive. Yes, it, 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 I get it. I'm biased because I watch all the Braves games and I pay attention to everything. And these players have been around. There's not a lot of newcomers to this team, but Sean Murphy in his first season has been fucking phenomenal. Orlando Arcia in his first season as the cemented starter at shortstop has been so, so, so good. And it's just, it's so nice to see this team being well managed. I, I never see, I, like, I haven't had a problem with the lineups. He's made good choices with moving around this lineup, moving Matt Olson down, bringing Ozzy back up to second, and, you know, figure, like, really choosing in that battle between Vaughn Grissom and Orlando Arcia, picking Arcia. And I think that's obviously been the right choice so far. The outfield is fantastic. Kind of rotating with Rosario and Ozuna and letting guys like Kevin Pillar get in the lineup. And um, I'm blanking on it. Sam Hilliard as well. Getting these guys in the lineup, you've made good decisions. Kevin Pillar and Sam Hilliard have been huge for this team. So Brian Snicker's decision-making as a manager when it comes to who he's putting out on the field and how he's lining them up, that's what makes him such an elite manager. Sorry, I had to go on a little bit of a rant there. I was I was feeling myself. i got to defend my guy. And unfortunately, this is where the episode ends. My internet cut out and disconnected the call between me and Colin, and it will not be back on for a couple of hours. So it's going to be cut off here. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Make sure you're following on all the social media platforms. And um, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this fully MLB episode. Peace.